0: We can use uh, many different meditation objects to help focus the attention. The sensations of the body, the feeling of the breath, Mantra word like buddho. And one of the most uh, useful uh, and uh, accessible meditation objects is what we call uh, inner listening, or listening to the inner sound. Well, for most people, if you turn your attention to your hearing, in the background of uh, our perception of ordinary sounds like the sound of my voice, sound of people moving in the temple. in the background, if you pay attention, you can notice a uh, continuous high-pitched or silvery ringing tone. This is called Nada, or sound, the inner sound. Some people find it easy to perceive, some people find it quite difficult or hard to to notice. Some people feel it like a vibration in the body rather than hearing it as a sound, but for most people we pay attention, then that sound is here, present in the background of our hearing. And this is something we can use as a meditation object, as a support for practice, both in terms of developing samatha, calm and concentration, and also developing insight, vipassana, wisdom itself. When we bring attention to the inner sound, the nada, it doesn't have any kind of beginning or ending. You never hear it start or stop. It's always there. You either pay attention to it or you don't. Like gravity, it's ever present, continually active. Our body is pulled to the surface of the earth all the time. You might notice that or not notice that, but the force is there continually, non personally, ever present. Similarly, the inner sound has this quality of being ever present. It's all so subtle. You know, if the attention is drawn out by something that we're seeing, or tasting, or smelling, a conversation, falls into the background. We forget it. But when we bring attention to it, then it can be quite loud, distinct, clear. So it needs to be paid attention to in order to be a, something that is potent. It takes some work to bring attention to it and to sustain attention upon it. It's also not respondent to personal will. You can't decide to make it louder or softer or make it be focused over on the left or on the right or up above, down below. It doesn't respond to personal will or decision making. So in this respect, it has different qualities than say the mindfulness of breathing, where we can choose to breathe deeply or shallow, we can make a long breath or a short breath. Personal choice can guide the breath to a certain extent. But the inner sound, the nada, does not respond to any kind of personal choice. You either pay attention to it or you don't. You can't make it do anything by an act of will. So in this respect, using the, uh, the inner sound as a meditation object encourages the quality of receptivity supports the appreciation of not self. It's not my sound, we can talk about my breath or my breathing, but we don't really relate to the inner sound in the same way, it's not personal. we can use it as a concentration object. You can bring your attention to it with a deliberate exclusion of everything else, just to determine for the period of time, ten minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever it might be, to just focus simply upon listening. Everything else is consciously put aside. So it can be used as a object of absorption. When we do that, then uh, the more you concentrate upon it, then the more obvious it becomes. has a kind of positive feedback loop. The more you pay attention to it, the easier it is to pay attention to. Also, it seems to have a way of energizing the mind. The more you pay attention to it, focus upon it, the brighter it helps the mind to be, the more energized, attentive, alert. So there's a positive feedback loop. Doesn't make the mind more dull, but rather the opposite. Makes the mind more sharp, bright, alert. This kind of concentration practice, uh, Lumpur Sumaita would call the the point which excludes. you bringing your attention to a single point and deliberately excluding everything else. Thoughts, other sensations in the body, sounds that we hear around us. Everything else is consciously put aside to absorb the attention into this one single point, this one object. So we can use the inner listening focusing on the nada as a a point that excludes and this is how it supports samatha some uh, concentration samadhi tranquility these aspects of meditation to support the quality of insight, vipassana, then rather than using the inner sound as a, a way of excluding everything else, we can consciously use it as a, a backdrop to all experience. This kind of openness of attention that Lumpur Sumedha would call the, the point which includes The mind is one-pointed, but the point is the entirety of the present moment. The whole field of experience is the point. If we develop the inner listening, we can allow the nada sound to be there in the background of all experience, just as I'm talking now. I hear it in the background of my own voice. We can develop its presence as a screen, as a backdrop to all experience. Whether we're seeing, feeling, walking, tasting, touching, smelling. There in the background, we can be attending, noticing the continuous silvery ever-present sound. So that it's rather like going to watch a a film and noticing the screen upon which the, the light is being projected. You're reminded of the presence of the screen. And when you notice the screen, you remember, oh, this is just a film. It's a movie. Similarly, If you develop the the presence of the nada sound in the background of of all activity, if you open the attention in this way. As we sit here, we can feel the sensations of the body, you can hear the sound of my voice, your own thoughts arising, passing away, memories, ideas, judgments, moods and feelings. They arise, take shape, dissolve. But there in the background is the continuous presence of the nada, reminding you, oh, this is just a thought. This is a feeling. I say, it's a sensation in my leg. I say, this is a plan for the future. I say, this is a sound outside in the temple. When we develop the the inner listening, develop the nada as a backdrop, it's a screen against which all other experience is displayed, then it helps the heart to recollect, oh, this is just a feeling. This is just the mind imagining the future. It's the mind saying, I like, I don't like. It's saying, here is a feeling in my right leg, it's down there. So it makes those judgments, those perceptions, that much easier not to be believed in blindly. Rather, it helps the mind to be awake to the fact that this is my mind's version of the world. This perception of the world, that this body, its sensations, its temperature, its weight, the temple. The sounds around us, waves of mood and thought and feeling, these are the mind's representation of the world, woven together in this moment, out of ideas, memories, feelings, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, language, imagination, woven together to be this pattern. called me sitting here, listening, feeling. Having this particular array of shapes, forms, textures. This is the mind's representation of the world. It's like this. The presence of the inner sound then helps the mind to know, to recollect. This is a continuous flow, endlessly arising and ceasing of perceptions, liking, disliking, inside, outside, coarse and fine, pure and impure, wholesome and unwholesome, neutral, confusing, inspiring, understandable, bewildering, Whatever it might be, with that ever present continuous sound in the background, like the screen against which all experience is projected, it helps the heart to remember, to recollect. Of course, it's all just anicca dukkha anatta. Patterns of organic change, endlessly ceasing, arising. Arising, ceasing? How could any of it be truly personal? How could any of it really have an owner? How could any of it really be stable, solid, substantial? Have any fixed meaning or value? How could it? So in this way, the development of the inner listening very directly supports vipassana, that quality of insight, the freeing of the heart through wisdom. Supports the insight into anicca, uncertainty, change, dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, anatta, not self. Also his qualities, so the inner sound is a sense object. You can say it's an aspect of the faculty of hearing. Sota vinyana, the ear consciousness, hearing consciousness. Or if you notice it more as a feeling, body consciousness, potabha, kaya vinyana. However, the mind might perceive it. If you're an artist, a graphic artist and you live very much in the visual realm, maybe you you experience the the nada as an oscillation, a vibration in the visual field. However, it might be perceived or discernible. Its qualities also have resonances of the dhamma itself. It's a sense object, it's a conditioned thing but its qualities also resonate the attributes of dhamma itself, apparent here and now. It's noticeable here in the present. Unborn, undying, never seems to begin, never seems to end. Encouraging investigation. As we pay attention to it, it's easier to pay attention to it's non-personal it's not female or male old or young tall or short doesn't have a story to it doesn't have parents or siblings children it's non-personal So even though it's a conditioned sense object, its qualities resonate these different aspects of dhamma. Apparent here and now, timeless, encouraging investigation, leading inwards, opanahiko, pacchataṅve dittabho to be perceived, to be known, realized by each person for themselves. you have to pay attention yourself. Somebody else can't hand it to you. So it's a sense object, but its qualities help to lead the attention towards the realization of the qualities of dhamma itself. It has attributes in the sense world that reflect the attributes of that which transcends the sense world. Many different religious traditions, spiritual traditions talk about this in a listening in different ways, some in very exalted, grand ways. This is the song of the universe, the the voice of the creation, The music of the spheres, this kind of grand hyperbolic language sometimes is used to describe this. Or people say this is, if you can hear the inner sound, it means that uh, it's equivalent to enlightenment itself. Or at least stream entry. But I would say as a inflated view, or at the other end of the spectrum, so it's just a buzzing in the ears, it's just a nervous system, it's just a random firing of your nerve endings in your ear, it's got no significance whatsoever. It's just a tinnitus, just an ear problem. We can call it something very exalted and special, transcendent, we can call it something very mundane, a disease, everything in between. But we don't really have to call it anything or derive any kind of meaning from it because it can serve, it can be a useful tool. There's no need to create a story around it. Rather we can just use its presence as a skillful means, as an upaya. Whether it's just the buzzing of the nervous system or whether it's the the song of the universe anything in between It's, it's present we can use it it can be of great benefit as we develop the inner listening in the silence of the temple it's easiest to discern it but then we find we can continue to use it As we walk, stand, sit, lie down, even as we eat, wash our bowl, carry out our daily tasks, it's always there. So it can be an ongoing reminder to be awake, to be aware, to sustain the flow of perceptions, the phenomena of experience in this true context seeing things in their true light. If we develop it, it can serve us well throughout the day. It can be like a most helpful, faithful companion.